You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. Perfect. Yeah. So um, firstly, I'd like to say a massive thank you uh, for everyone for joining me today. Um, Of course, we're going to be discussing how do you define a data scientist and what do you mean by data science? And so before we go ahead and jump in with the questions, if everyone would like to give um, a quick introduction to themselves, that would be great. If um, John, if you'd like to go first. Sure. So my name is John Lamb. I uh, work with data at a company called iBetic, which develops an app to help uh, people with diabetics, both type 1 and type 2, to help handle their daily daily lives. Um, and uh, it's quite close to my heart, this data science, because most people would say that that's what I do. And still, I would argue a little bit against that, maybe not. Um, and I spend a lot of time at home, otherwise making keyboards, designing and building from scratch. So all keeping to the kind of nerdiness theme. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. Thank you for that. I really like the introduction. Uh, Jens, if you'd like to go next, that'd be lovely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my name is Jens Larsson. Um, I've been working within the field of data, data science for more or less 10 years now. Um, I'm currently at a startup company. We haven't gone live or public yet, so I can't share too much about what we're doing. Um, I've worked with them since Monday this week, so it's really, really new to me anyway. Um, And up until Friday of last week, I was the head of data and analytics at a fintech company called Tink um, that was recently acquired by Visa, but I'm not sure if the deal has actually gone through yet. Um, Prior to that, I spent I think four, four and a half years at Spotify, working with data science, uh, both as a data scientist and as a data science manager. Uh, and prior to that, I started out getting my hands started with data work at Google uh, back in 2011, 2012. Perfect. Thank you very much for that. What a mysterious introduction. So hopefully by the time this uh, recording, this podcast is out, we'll uh, be able to reveal the company that you're working for as well, which will be nice. <laughs> yeah, I'd be super excited about when that day comes as well. It's going to be fun. Uh, and I think uh, passion for me professionally, my passion is just to, you know, make make data easy, make insights easy to consume and drive actual impact with, with, with you know, the things we, we know, we think we should know about our products, users and so on. Uh, on a personal level, uh, I think I'm pretty passionate about just knowing, you know, semi-obscure random facts about pretty much everything. Um, it's, it's just, I'm just into, really into fascinating facts and details about stuff. Nice. I know if I ever go to a pub quiz, then I'd be choosing you on my team then. <laughs> no, it, it's actually a really bad idea. I, I usually <laughs> only know that, I know that one question that no one else knows, but you know, those nine or 10 questions that you're supposed to know are clueless. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you very much for your introduction. Uh, Lucas, last but not least, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Hi, uh, thank you. My name is Lucas Malta. I'm currently an engineering manager at Spotify. I'm leading a team of uh, data scientists and data engineers. Um, I'm I'm a data scientist myself. I I got a master's and PhD uh, in the domain. Uh, many years ago, 
Um, but been working mostly with uh, as a manager of data related teams for quite some time now. Um, yeah, in terms of passions, I, I love reading. Um, especially lately, I've been reading a lot of books on psychology and philosophy and especially older books quite uh, have had quite a lot of interesting ideas coming from those old books. Um, so that's uh, certainly one of the passions um, I have. And I've been doing yoga for many years as well. So kind of connected to it, to the reading, uh, a lot of uh, kind of the nice. philosophy behind yoga and the kind of things. So Nice. I love that. Would that. Be me. Oh, I love that. Thank you very much um, for your introduction and thanks everyone. Um, so yeah, I'll go ahead and jump straight into the questions now um, so then we can get started. Um, so the first question uh, comes from um, John. So John, your question is, can you ever get a degree in data science? Uh, so John, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind um, your question and then I'll open it up to the group to discuss. Yeah, so my thinking behind this is ties into a lot of the other questions here as well in really how do we define a data scientist? Because you do have online places and universities that where you can get a degree in data science. But then it comes back to this, the actual definition and also the difference between a data scientist, the data analyst, the BI developer, and especially now as of late, the MLOps, machine learning engineers, when they, when you get more and more experts. So I quickly run through this. In my mind, usually what you have is, I mean, a data analyst is someone uses statistical tools, not Excel, a proper one, mainly focusing on the mathematical modeling. You're usually supported by the data engineers that help setting up the database handles, the pipelines, the flows, etc. You have the ML engineers that focuses on the machine learning. Usually you have a BI developer that focuses more on just visualization. And for me, a lot of the time, the data scientist is the one that is kind of the umbrella term of all of them. But it depends a lot of the company as well in how how does the company define it in that sense? Because at some companies, they can lean to one of these areas. But I, for me, I usually define the data scientist in that sense that you both need to be able to understand the stat statistics as a data analyst. You need to be able to build a pipeline close to the data engineer, even though they are deeper in it. At the same time as you need to understand machine learning and you need to be able to program. You're a bit of a system developer as well. So you kind of need this overall. And then that extra thing, which we're going to talk later about with, uh, with the intuition of data science, that you need to be able to bring this to business. A lot of the other roles can usually, in a sense, get away with have a manager telling them, or oh, just do this. We have already thought about the domain, the company, why we need it. Whereas the data scientist is on that umbrella step where they need to think about it as well, that, well, what business problem am I trying to solve? And where do we even apply data science, AI, whatever it is? That's kind of the bridge between even the CXO levels and further down with the managers. 
And for me, in that sense, why I then argued, my answer to this question is no, right now you can't get a degree in data science because both you can get a lot of these broad senses. I still haven't seen any of the degrees that captures all of it, but even more important to be able to handle, especially this communication, you need to have developed this intuition and experience. You need to have worked for quite a while. It's a little bit this difference that I, I like to bring up when you talk about regular ice skating, for example, or figure skating. You can look at the TV, watch TV and become a theoretical expert, but put a pair of skates on and put you on the ice and you fall down. You don't have the practice in it. You need both of it. So that's a bit of my background of it, my thinking, and really that right now, I don't think there is any degree in data science that complies with that definition that I usually look at it. Yeah, I mean, if it was that easy, uh, you know, everyone, a lot of people would be quite happy. I think the problem here is, you know, pe people call all of these roles you mentioned as, you know, specializations or su subgenres of data science. Companies and people still call themselves data scientists when they're in reality, the role is more akin to a typical BI developer or um, you have everything from data engineers to product analysts, which I work very closely with. Um, and, and I think the, the, the real problem here with, with figuring out what that degree in data science would be, it's just that the, the term data science is used so incredibly broadly uh, in, in society and companies. Um, I think in, in a way it's, it's like, you know, you have, you know, some of the best people, data scientists or data analysts I've worked with, uh, they have psychology background. So they've studied economics and finance and it, it's not necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily that you need a data science because it comes with some quite technical connotations as well. The idea of, of being a data scientist, um, and I also think you know, data scientists, given this broadness of, of the term, I read an article a few years ago where they discussed you know, data science as actually two disciplines. One where you're building insights for humans, uh, the typical product analyst, business, business data analyst, and so on, those roles. And a completely different set of data scientists that build, uh, build insights or they build you know, uh, solutions for machines that, that would be your typical you know, similar items, basket recommendations for, for e-commerce websites or music recommendation algorithms at Spotify and so on. And those two are completely different, yet we call them the same thing uh, when, we call, when we just refer to them as, as data science. Um, and I think also data science in many cases, in many ways, it's, it's companies staffing up but they want to work with data science so they have this solution and then they once they've set that up and established that they go out and look for a problem which i also think also think is, is quite problematic with, with the broadness of this concept of data science yeah i think i mean strictly speaking can you get a degree in data science i mean the answer is yes right you go go to google and you type degree in data science there will be like a thousand options um from all sorts of places around the world and but the question is how, how good are they right uh, to what extent are they teaching the same content or how well do they match what we really need 
in the industry in terms of uh, domain knowledge. So I mean, you can, but what, what, does, what does it really mean to have a degree in data science now, nowadays? Um, I think that the lack of standards in the data science curriculum content leads to many differences in the quality and nature of the educational experience in the programs we offer today. And I think in a way that leads to a lot of uh, false expectations in many folks that take those degrees. So just because you have a degree in data science doesn't mean that you have the right background to apply for a certain data science job, even if it's an entrance level job. It might be that you just took a course that was like way, way on a different end of the spectrum of this so broad spectrum that we call data science nowadays, um, which is interesting uh, because this doesn't happen. It happens a little bit to all domains, but if we compare, for example, data science and backend engineering, um, backend engineers are much more kind of, if you interview someone, you know that kind of the person knows a little bit or have a better understanding of what, is, what it takes to be a backend engineer, but data science, I mean, whatever, right? It can be so many things that it, it's hard. It makes it very hard to a lot of people, um, for companies, for uh, candidates, um, for people that just want to know more about the domain. There's so much, so much misinformation. So um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's it's tricky. Yeah, it's it's a bit like in in you know you can get a, there are other fields that are kind of similar. They have this high level concept of a degree. Like you can get a degree in medicine, right? Uh, but just because you have a degree in medicine doesn't mean you can take any entry level uh, position in, in the medical field. There's so many different specializations. Thankfully, within medicine, all those specializations they have dedicated you know uh, pro programs in school. They have dedicated role descriptions and dedicated uh, titles. You know, if, if you specialize to become a pediatrician, you would apply to your first job as a pediatrician, not just as medical doctor. Uh, and I think that level of specialization, we just don't have any terminology there for, for data science. And it's like you, you both touch on there as well. I mean, it's just because someone has a degree in data science doesn't mean they're data scientists. But I draw a strong parallel there to just regular software development in a sense as well, that in a lot of interviews I've been to and a lot of recruitment processes within IT, I run into people which, yeah, they might not even have a degree, but they're one of the better programmers by having that inquisitive mind. And it's it's interesting to hear what you sent as well, Lucas, with a psychology degree background. I haven't even thought about that, but a lot of the data scientists I have met, which I consider to be data scientists as well, the one common factor there has always been the curiosity and the constant need to learn more in that you always see these people, they they jump at the next thing. They see that, oh, I have a problem. I have managed to define it. What tool can I learn? Or is it, do I have a tool in my toolbox which I can solve it with? And if I don't, there's never a barrier for them to straight away jump then and see, well, where can I find it and how can I learn it? It's quite an interesting way of thinking about it as well, just that data science at its core is, I mean, I like to say this, it's a technical problem solver, but you need to yeah. have the right mindset for it, really. I think it, it, for me, it makes more sense to say I have a data science career than a data science degree. 
So it implies that Absolutely. you have kind of a long-term yeah. thing that you have kind of data science degrees. It's a bit more obscure, and so but a career, I think, is something that I can relate to. I can see people getting over over the years. Definitely. Well, I think that um, that leads on nicely to to the next question. Unless anyone else has anything to add, just just on that one before we do move on. No, perfect, lovely. So the next question, um, it's Jens's question. So in whose interest is it to keep the fuzzy definition of what is, and I guess what isn't, a data scientist? So Jens, if you'd like to give us a bit of background behind um, this question, and then I'll let everyone jump in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it comes from it, it comes from the frustration. So every time I want to talk, every time I'm recruiting for something that is data science, um, I need to you know, further explain the role. No one really understands the role until I go in and explain to them what this specific data science role is about. Uh, and when I talk to a candidate for a recruitment and they worked in data science, uh, I, we still need to spend a lot of time for me to understand, oh, so what have you actually done within data science? What, what, what are you good at? What are you, know, what are you not so experienced with and so on? Um, and it's so complete. And again, I come back to that. It's it's just so so many different things that fit under this umbrella. Yet we still it still persists, right? This umbrella, you know, every more or less everyone um, I've seen working at places like Facebook and Google with data, regardless of what they do, they're data scientists. So I'm curious, like, are there any benefits from this? Because this I, I I hear from almost everyone that like you know they. They sigh when we start bringing it up. Like, what do you actually mean with data science? What do I actually mean with it? Why, why do we even need to have this discussion? But why is it still a problem? I mean, data science has been around for you know, 40, 50 years as a broad concept and as a very popular concept, at least for the last 10 years. But and shouldn't that be a lot due to just the buzzword of it as well? Because technically now to include what everyone means with data scientist is pretty much have you in any way worked with data in any technical capacity? Yes. Okay, I'm gonna call myself a data scientist then. Yeah, but what, what's 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 in it for you? So so you, you get to use yeah. word in your title. Is is that what it's all about? Are we all doing this so that we can have buzzwords in our titles? Or is there something deeper in here like yeah. good good reasons? Mm -hmm. I think it's not only about title. I think, I mean, overall, the, this lack of specificity allows not only people to change their CVs, but it allows schools, companies, marketing departments, journalists to say virtually anything they want about the domain. And it's a full and economics, really. And exactly. And, and I think this failure to articulate a clean point is weaponized. So, in a way that if if it's beneficial to call something data science, you could do it without getting into a lot of troubles, right? You could art, write articles about the career. You could create trainings. You could, again, as we said, alter your CV and that would be okay. So all these people are benefiting from having this fuzzy definition that you apply when it suits you and you don't apply when it doesn't suit you, then you call it something else. And so, it's not just uh, the people, yeah. is it? Because, yeah, as an individual, you might benefit from data science as a buzzword, especially now when it's hype. It's because people don't understand it. it it's like anything. 
any word that you see that you don't understand, it's almost intuitive that you raise it up. It has higher meaning. But then at the same time, from a company's perspective as well, it's hot. Everyone should work in AI. And I think we all have run into this with companies that talk about, oh, we're doing AI. Yeah, okay. Okay. So what exact domain is it in? What problem are you solving? Oh, we haven't found anything yet, but we have hired people to do AI. We just don't have a problem yet. And as long as it's a benefit for both company and individuals, this is just going to keep rolling and spiral away. Yeah, I think exactly. I think as it happens with artificial intelligence, we have the perfect storm in, in which you pair a lot of enthusiasm with a lot of misinformation. And that's why you get um, confusion uh, and people taking advantage of the situation, uh, companies. And again, journalists writing about it to generate some kind of click. But I'm not saying that everyone, of course, but there's certainly some people that take advantage of the situation. I mean, in most companies, you're going to get paid more doing the exact same job if your title is data scientist compared to if it's data analyst. Yeah, I have, a, BI developer. <laughs> I, have, I have an amazing anecdote about that. I'm not going to I'm not going to disclose from where it comes. But, uh, you know, we, we had a team of people that called themselves, uh, I think, business analysts or something like that, which, which, by the way, suffers from the same problem. No one really knows what a business analyst is because some of them are more data scientists. Some of them are more project managers. Right. But. The, the term data science was introduced as a, okay, so now now you can actually, now we need to define which of our teams are doing analysis, product business analysis, which teams are doing data science. Um, and we asked the, the people responsible for, you know, well, why, you know, what, what how, how should we base our decision? How, how should we base our decision to determine whether or not this team is a data science team or an analytics team? And they say, well, it's completely up to you. We, we, we don't mind. Uh, and we asked, so what's the difference? Well, technically, the only difference is the salary bands. And the salary bands are higher for data scientists. So all, from that moment, all the teams were data science teams because they had higher salaries. Uh, and it, it's, it, you know, uh, John, you mentioned it as something, you know, as it comes up. I've had first-hand experience of exactly that situation where the only difference was the salary. And all of a sudden, everyone wanted to call themselves data scientists because they had nothing to lose. And then you come into that problem as well when even within the company that if I hear someone that, oh, yeah, you're a data scientist, for me, I then assume certain knowledge. And it's a lot of times that I've run into this that, well, if you call yourself a data scientist, I assume that, yeah, you might not be a developer that can build systems from scratch, but I at least assume that, well, you can you can code properly yourself. It's not just R and copy paste python it's you can code yourself you can handle version control you have some understanding of this but it's a lot of times you run into and you talk to data scientists and say oh no i am i use SageMaker. i use you know any type of click machine learning studio yeah you're not really a data scientist then According to, to, to the John Lamb definition of, of data scientists, then because I've, I've speak to and I've hired and I've worked with so many data scientists who, you know, who, who don't even touch machine learning. Like machine learning is a tool, and for certain problems, it's the appropriate tool to solve that problem. But there's so many other problems within this broad umbrella of machine of sorry of data science 
that requires absolutely no machine learning. In fact, I've seen many times problems that you shouldn't solve with machine learning that would be easier, more easily solved with you know, more simple methods, but would people insist on applying machine learning because that's you know, hot or buzzy or what they want to do and develop skills in. Um, but I, I'd say half the data scientists I've met, they, they work with SQL. Uh, they summarize, they do statistical analysis in, in uh, Google spreadsheets and Excel once they've extracted the features they need out of, out of uh, you know, the, the data warehouse. Um, and they package that up in nice uh, PowerPoint presentations uh, or, or potentially BI dashboards. But would you actually call them data scientists then? I wouldn't, but they would. Like the yeah, society, yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Facebook uh, would would use the role, the script, or the title data scientist for that person, and I think that's why we're having this discussion as well, right? Yeah. That this this term is extremely broad, and and I I would agree with you, John, that that isn't what I intuitively think about when I think data science, but it is think, what it is. Yeah. I think we're touching on the other side of the coin regarding your question. So I was. Who's losing with this uh, fuzziness in the definition, right? So I think every time you, you're trying to search for an education in data science, uh, then you're going to go into deep troubles. How do you choose something that, how do you know that something tr is trustworthy, right? Um, if you're screening people for interviews, so there's all sorts of variations. It's always hard to judge what you read. If it's, so there's, there's a lot to lose. Um, some people that benefit from the fuzziness, but many, many people that benefit that uh, as the opposite, that actually um, they have a lot to lose from the term being fuzzy. They yeah, come in with, with uh, crazy expectations on, on their yeah. first job or what they will get to work with. They expect to be given some very fancy problem that they will solve with, with the neural networks that they spent a couple of months trying to figure out how they work. And, at the end of the day, their their output is a you know a scorecard for for some some senior executive in the company. But it's like saying if people come and ask, you know, so how would you recommend? I want to work in software engineering. What would you? What should I study? So here in Sweden, it's one of those. Should I go to KTH, for example? And for me, it's one of those that well, the best one are the ones that has passion for it. So it's a software engineer. Learn some programming language, just use Google, get into some open source and get some practice. Yes, getting an education in it, getting an engineering degree definitely helps to bring in a lot of other stuff to it, but it doesn't replace that passion. And in the same way that if when people ask me, oh, I want to become a data scientist, what education should I do? It is not that simple. And as I think we all we mentioned that already that a lot of data scientists we've met that we think they're really good data scientists the background are vastly different that anything from psychologists to phds and i mean we see kind of an inflation especially in sweden where a lot of companies hire phds from a varied amount of fields thinking it's a one crop chop for data scientists because they have learned to solve problems and say so, yeah but not even at that level is it that easy it's i mean if i look at cv of a person it's much more important to see well, well do you have passion for this can i see can i read from a cv that you have passion for data or when i sit and talk to you do i get the feeling that you're almost you're, you're always looking for how you can solve it 
it's nothing, it's never a barrier that, oh, I don't know that. Hmm, interesting. How can I quickly learn that to apply it? Yeah, I think you, you, you're onto something there with like what drives you into the field and what, what drives your curiosity in, in, to, to, to discover and learn more from the data. Uh, it's one of the first questions I ask in, in most interviews I, I, I hold. It's like, what got you into this field? What got you into data? And, and sometimes you hear these people who are really curious. They, they, they were like, I just love finding the answers. And, you know, if I have access to all this information, I'm sure I can squeeze something out of it. And there are so many amazing models to use. Um, but then you also hear people who are like, uh, you know, they basically answer no, but they, they pay well. So I applied for an education in the field and now I want to work in that field. Uh, so, so it is it is vastly different. And then a lot of people like like myself basically stumbled into the field. I guess uh, I guess had a knack for it. Someone saw that and led us into or helped us into the field. Um, but it was never deliberate. It was more the field came to me more or less. But don't you also see that as when you find someone that has passion that whatever it is, usually the people who, oh, I'm focusing on, I like data. So, well, are you an expert? Do you, are you really interested in neurochemistry? And you dove down, you did your education there, and that just ended up you learning these tools. And then you realize that, well, I can apply it to a completely different one. You have finance people that, yeah, they learn finance, but then they realize that, well, the cool part here was to use data techniques to draw conclusions from them. Yeah. And I like this when you see and when you talk to people that, especially when you ask, well, what, what, what did you get in education and what is it? And it's just so different domains, but usually it is they had the passion for it. And as you say, Jens, that someone realized that you have the knack for it. You have the knack for the problem solving that usually comes from doing something you're passionate about, whatever it is. Yeah, it's fu funny you bring up the, the tool side of things because I've actually tried to steer away from hiring the people who are more interested in the tools than they are in the problems. Um, sometimes you get these very uh, theoretical uh, individuals to interviews and th there are places for, for those skills within data science, surely. Uh, but the big bulk of people that, that we need in the field, I'd argue, uh, need to be passionate problem solvers and passionate about understanding what is the value, you know, it, the, the solution to the problem doesn't necessarily have to be complex or hard. It, it's more about we are creating value for the business or I'm creating, you know, tremendous value through very simple means, you know, 80, 20, you get most of the insight by doing only 20% of the work and so on. Uh, that tends to have a much bigger impact for, for companies, I think, and that's where you find the hackers uh, that, that just get, solves things, creates value, moves on to the next thing. Whereas too big focus on the tooling, on the on, on really understanding what, what, how, what's the mathematics behind the gradient descent in these neural networks? Uh, how, how does it work? How can I tweak it and optimize it? Um, great people to have if you, if you have a very specific problem that requires you to, to break apart this black box that is, for most of us at least, that is machine learning. But, in most cases, I, I think we, we skew towards wanting those people driven by having impact. It comes back to this. You touched, yeah. Sorry, you go ahead, Lucas. Something, something interesting, um, which I think becomes an even more important point in this domain, which is how do you interview people? 
since the domain is so broad and it can mean so many things in in the different companies, I think you have to be really smart and tailoring your interview to what you really need um, if you want to go for some more kind of scientific, um, formal kind of education or if it's a more hands-on. So I think interview plays a very, very important role um, in tailoring for what your company is calling data science versus another company. And so it becomes quite interesting in how, how I think how you interview and what questions you ask and what activities you have during the interview to make sure that we are getting these, um, getting right, um, selecting the person with the right fit mm. or what we call data science at our companies, which again, as we said, can vary quite a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I mean, also within a company like like uh, both you and I have some experience for a place like Spotify, where you would have these really deep in the weeds data scientists working on music recommendations and in creating this, these amazing things like you know the Discover Weekly and, and so on those products. And then on the other hand, you have data scientists who are you know evaluating marketing campaigns and trying to attribute marketing spend to the customer growth and so on. Uh, which are two completely different domains where, where people with completely different backgrounds and motivations would find themselves. But then you come into this with the recruitment as well. The, the problem we always have with this is that the company kind of needs to know what they're after. And also, how do you communicate? Then it comes back to this that, well, okay, you need a data scientist, but why don't you start with defining what is a data scientist at my company? And then also, do I even have someone that have the capability to assess people? Because especially with data science, because it's so new and because it's so many companies that still just have the feeling we need these people. Yeah, what are they going to do? Or oh, we don't know. How can they ever assess as well a candidate if they are what they define it to be? Yeah, I think that's that's very important. Um, it ties a little bit to... Um, the name data science. I think I I like the science in the name data science because it, it implies you're using some kind of scientific method to solve problems. So you have a problem, you have a hypothesis about that problem, you design an experiment to test it, and you use some data to validate it. Um, and I think when many companies, when data science, especially in the last 10 years started to become a, a buzzword and everyone wanted to hire data scientists. Like many companies had this idea of, I have this massive amount of data and I need someone to look into it. I have no clue what this person is going to find, but um, I have no clue what problems I want to solve, but I just thought maybe I should hire a data scientist. And then they would hire a bunch of people which would be there like trying to understand what's going on, but then they would realize oh, we hired a bunch of people and we don't see a lot of results. And often I think it's because of the science is lacking out of this. So instead of what problems do we have, what problems do we need to solve, what hypotheses we have, and then kind of comes the more kind of data analysis into it and trying to solve well-defined problems. But if you don't know what you want, when you run into those problems of you hire the wrong person, um, then those who hire are very frustrated by not meeting the expectations they had beforehand. So I think knowing what you want, going back to your points, 
definitely yeah. very important. But also in many of those cases, like uh, I used to come back to the, there was this blog post by a, a woman in Monica Rogatti a few years ago, where she, she listed kind of the hierarchy of needs for data science, um, where, you know, you at the very bottom, you just need to start collecting and persisting structured data, at least semi-structured data, so that someone has something to work on and moving up the pyramid, making that available. and. and you know, at the very bottom, it's very technical. You will never find a data scientist. So you will rarely find uh, data scientists who are comfortable working there. You know, you would have to instrument data collection from your services and tools and so on. Uh, and there are so many different steps you need to go through before a data scientist, even, even with the broad definition of it, makes sense to hire. Um, and I think many companies think we have a lot of data, so we should have a data scientist. The problem is that data is scattered across thousands of production databases and spread out across the globe. And if you're lucky, uh, you know, you can actually access it from databases. If you're unlucky, it's gonna be Excel files and you know, the shared file system somewhere. And that's not a place where data scientists would thrive, so to speak. Well, that depends on the definition as well, because you have some data scientists who come in there and say, oh, if you have a well-defined problem for me, data is prepped, they can do fantastic work. And then you have these data scientists that comes in and it's like, oh, excellent. I get to consolidate all of this and set up all the data lakes and so on and hire on the data engineer to do this. Yeah, but but try, try, try to you you can't come in like that to many organizations. I'm I'm, I'm not going to name names of organizations, but you know think large tel telco yeah. or bank that still runs COBOL systems from the 70s, right? It's not like you, you, the, 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 that higher you would have to navigate just so much internal co yeah. politics and prioritizations. You, you would be lucky if you have data in your hands over the next five years. Yes, some things you need to have to set in place. Absolutely, that I agree. Oh, just um, has anyone else got anything to add just on that one just before we move on to the next question? Perfect. Um, so I'll move on to the last question then. So um, this is Lucas's question. Uh, so what is the role of intuition in data science? We touched on this a little bit earlier, uh, but if Lucas, if you'd like to give a bit of background behind this question and then we'll go ahead and dive into it. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, so the question is around intuition, um, gut feeling, whatever you call it. Um, I think in a, in a profession where you're expected to contribute to decisions by bringing a data-driven perspective to problems, what is the role of intuition in all this? And is there a role at all? And so I, just, I think we we have a lot of discussions about this um, I have with my peers, and it's usually quite interesting discussions. I think different companies have very different approaches to it. Um, but in my opinion, it, it's again, if you Google this intuition, um, gut feeling, you always, you, or very common to get messages like you should always trust your gut kind of, kind of messages, right? And which I think, which I think are very dangerous messages because we are all biased. So if I have a bad night of sleep, I'm tired, my probably my intuition is going to be very negatively biased. If I'm very happy, it's the other way around. But I think it, intuition does play a very important role, uh, especially when you're dealing with something that you have done many times. So, like for example, social interaction. Um, 
by the time you're 30, you've met a lot of people, right? So you get a feeling about people and we're very good at that. So we get that kind of good feeling about someone or bad feeling about someone. So we get very good at doing that. So then we can kind of trust our intuition for that. But if you're doing something for the first time, it's it's a bit dangerous to trust your gut. And I think it's the same translates to our domain. If you're doing an A-B test or doing an analysis or just run a new machine learning algorithm, you get a result. Um, if you've done that many times and you have an intuition there's something wrong about this or some kind, I, I think it's a very, very important tool. But if you're doing it for the first time, I think it's, it's a bit dangerous. So that's my view, I think, very important, but in, in certain cases, not always. But that kind of ties in with really any role, just kind of what's the difference between someone new and someone experienced to the field? It's that experience, it's that intuition. And it, I mean, it applies back-end developer or I mean, whatever job you, you're doing, you, you're sweeping the streets. You just get that, the fingertip feeling. And I would, I would probably argue as well that in data science it is, it might even be more important because it is usually business critical in the sense and because you're so disparate, it's so many different domains. So you need to be able to have that intuition on, on the data, not just on the domain of having that feeling. Because especially with how a lot of people work with data, if you don't get that feeling and especially on the negative, when you get the feeling that something is wrong, there is a lot of time that can be wasted. And just, yeah, I usually don't like to say that you throw away because you still learn something, even if you learn it doesn't work, but it might take you much, much longer to come to that end. And it's not as easy as in software development where we can still, hypothetically, we can build up a lot of unit tests and test the code, making sure it works. Whereas in data science, almost by definition, what we're doing is usually new things. So we can't really set up tests in the same way. Yeah, I think we, we used to talk about intuition quite a lot uh, in, in a previous uh, role I had. And we used to we used to always come back to, you know, the, the role of the data scientist was really in that setting where, where we were driving, you know, producing insights for decision makers. It, it was a lot about quantifying gut feel. So we used almost that as a team slogan, you know, we're, we're team quantified gut feel. Because uh, without without that team, all decisions were made on gut feel. Um, and we, we realized it's, it's never gonna be productive to base every single decision you do on, on data. For one, it's very hard to make something other than incremental improvements if you if you don't have gut feel or intuition. Like data will help you iterate, but it will not, might not help you step change your your performance and so on. Um, so we talked about a lot about that. You know, the, a data driven organization that really comes down to having, you know, intuition. What are the questions we should ask for of the data, as opposed to just blindly going into a bunch of data and try to squeeze out insights from it. Have an idea at first, quickly develop an idea intuitively. Like what are the questions I should ask of this data in order to drive drive this business decision or this impact that I want to have down the road? 
Um, so, so I think it really comes down to forming the hypotheses, the forming hypotheses that are likely to yield any kind of result really comes down to having this intuitive sense for what, what are the questions I should ask of this data and what are the ask, questions I actually could ask of this data, given the information. I listened to a podcast this summer that kind of talked a bit, it was a psychologist that talked about this uh, more and more automation in today's society and that the risk of people losing their jobs to computers and to automation. And he lifted, especially this type of intuition, that human feeling up that, well, the more something needs the human input, the less likely you also are at automating it. I see a lot of similarities here in, in what we do, because it's a lot of things that we can automate within data science. And almost by definition, that's exactly what we want to do. But just by automating and saying, oh, to an algorithm, run all of all, all of this, these algorithms, all of this data and give me insights. Exactly as you say, Jens, you're not going to get anything. You need to have that human input of formalizing it first. It's like we supervised learning. We are the supervisors somehow. Yeah. That's why everyone pushing for unsupervised nowadays. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's how you get, get, get the human out of the loop, essentially, right? <laughs> but that's when that's when you end up with a website like that, you know, spurious correlations website where they just list random things that happen to correlate, like you know, movies that Nicolas Cage appeared in each year compared to oh, yeah. people drowning in swimming pools, stuff like that. People, number of people drowning in the ice cream consumption, mm. they track very closely in warm countries. They definitely do, yeah. Perfect. Well, I think we've definitely got um, time for one one last question. Um, so Omid submitted this question, uh, but he wasn't able to make it today. Uh, but it was how how has um, the data scientist role evolved throughout the last ten years? Um, so if John, if you want to go ahead and and start us off with this one. Yeah, I think it's a lot that we've touched upon earlier now as well. Uh, it's been around, but it's kind of it's almost more broad nowadays because it's such a buzzword. Uh, I don't know if we could say 10 years ago that it was more defined in that sense, but as we talked about, a data scientist doesn't need to do any machine learning. But for most people, that's kind of implied today. Whereas 10 years ago, it was, I think it was closer to what we all three talk about today. It's you solving problems with technology usually that has to do with data and mathematics and statistics whereas now the umbrella has just become so much larger and depending on the buzzword depending on the company you kind of equate it usually much more to machine learning than to the core of it where it came from so to speak yeah, I think it also it also started out. I mean, it, it obviously started way before ten years ago, but roughly at that time, mm -hmm. with, with the, the kind of Web 2.0, Facebook, and so on coming becoming giants, that's more like fifteen years ago, perhaps. But you had these early early people like DJ Patil and the, those kind of almost rock star celebrities, super creative people, the, the, really the unicorns of 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 this kind of personalization of the internet. Um, and they possessed all these skills and they, they you know, there are probably only 10 of them or so alive in the world today. 
um, but they became the, the role model data scientists that, that a lot of a lot of people aspired to become. And I guess in a way the role was really broad from the beginning, but it was based to a very large set on this small group of unicorn people with just amazing skill sets and, and solving amazing pro problems, having huge impact on, on basically the internet as we know it. Um, but I think it's really gone from that uh, unicorn few people. Some Many of us still think of the data scientist as a unicorn, uh, but it's m moving more and more towards becoming these like specialized teams within the, the field of data science. You don't have to be, or you don't have to span the entire umbrella anymore. And you can build build teams of varying skills where you have five people who know different things complementing each other, but they're all data scientists in a data science team. Yeah, I think fundamentally the the core skills haven't changed. I mean, you, you have to be good at statistics. You have to be um, very good at communication, storytelling. Um, so kind of those things haven't really changed over the 10 years. Over you have to be a good good at writing software. Um, so the things have, have remained. Um, but I think some things around not only data science, but around the software industry in general, um, many things changed. Like we we have much more kind of managed services nowadays. So before we would spend a lot of time preparing data 10 years ago with a massive amount of work. Nowadays it's a lot of much easier to do that. So spend time in a different way, I'd say, nowadays than uh, we were 10 years ago. It's also the amounts of data have changed, obviously, quite a lot. So being good at doing things at scale nowadays, it's quite important, uh, more important than, we were, than it was uh, 10 years ago. But I think in the foundation of skills, I think they haven't really changed much, but it's applied, they're applied in a different way. Yeah, you're right. But I think that... Yeah. I think that modern time as well kind of hides a bit this that we've talked about with intuition and drive than it was 10, 15 years ago, where a data scientist then, it was much clearer than that you were inquisitive. You always wanted that extra step. Uh, whereas now, exactly as you say, Lucas, that there are almost too many tools. So you, you don't have to have that inquisitive mind with wanting to understand how it works. And which then is that fine balance that, yeah, you shouldn't fall down the rabbit hole and look at specific the gradient descent of this model, as you said earlier, Jens, but having that, well, I really want to understand how something works, but I'm practical about it. And that it's so much software and stacks nowadays, as you say, that it kind of it hides it for people. So that's something I see yeah. have changed. I think I definitely, I think in a way we're getting further and further away from the actual data. Um, we have so many levels of abstraction now that basically a lot of things become drag and drop. When 10 years ago, we had to look into the data, raw logs and kind of do cleaning and do filtering. You would get a lot of feeling for the actual data by doing this. And this step, it's, it's gone nowadays with, with all the tools. Uh, it's, it's interesting. I think something similar happened to machine learning um, before deep learning. If you talk about images, for example, there was a lot of time spent into doing feature extraction. So you would think a lot about the nature of what is generating this data that I'm doing. So 
what is the process of generation and what are the important things around it, how can extract features. Nowadays, you develop an architecture that does all of this for you for free. So you get, I think in a lot of aspects, you get away from the raw kind of a data and have more abstraction um, by tools and by yeah, techniques. Hmm. Yeah, the development, as you mentioned, development of the tools, the, the time you spend or you don't spend anymore on, on waiting for, for the tools to, to crunch the numbers, to crunch the data. I definitely drank more coffee 10 years ago because you would, you would you'd write your map reduce job and you would, you would hit play on it and you know it would take 15 minutes for it to complete or sometimes you had to run it overnight and then you would get up from your desk and have a cup of coffee. Uh, and then these days, you know, I query the same amounts of data in less than a second with, with the data warehouses that we have today. So way less natural cause for, for coffee breaks. But that's kind of the dual-edged sword as well. It's great that we have more powerful tools, but I look at, I mean, I'm coming from a lot of BI background and it, it was a huge hype with the self-service BI. I know we don't need the BI developer anymore because the business developers can make this themselves and all oh, programming, uh, visually click and drop. We don't need the really good developers anymore. And that kind of, all have just tailored off in the last few years. It's not talked about to the same extent anymore that, yeah, the, it was a theoretical thought. It could have worked, but it just didn't. And I'm kind of just waiting for this peak now with machine learning, deep learning that, yeah, the more abstractions you do, the less control you actually have on the underlying thing. And you're going to reach that point where, yeah, we're just abstracted too much. and just clicking buttons, hoping for going into cloud service provider, clicking the box, yeah, run this network on, on my data. Yeah, how much insight is it going to give you when you take away that intuition that you need from the data scientist or the analyst? Uh, I, I don't you probably, uh, coming back to the 80-20, you're probably getting 80% of the insight and with probably less than 20% of the effort. <laughs> Uh, and you can move on and do the next the next model and solve the next problem. And I, I think at the end of the day, you're still creating more value and extracting more insight uh, or building more dashboards with more visualization than, than you could ever do in the same uh, time span before. But but the quality of the, the each individual piece might be lower. So each individual insight might be slightly less worth or each dashboard might be slightly less thought out. Uh, but you, you can turn them around so much more quickly with, with, with the tooling that we have that I think in total, you still end up uh, benefiting from it. But then you come into this question as well, where so many companies produce dashboards and KPIs that they don't really stop and, and ask themselves, do I need this? And if you track this, well, what are you doing if this number goes up and down? Yeah, but I think that's that, one of those quantity over quality. No, but I think that comes yes, into, I think that makes, unfortunately, that makes the role of the data scientist even broader. I'd, I'd say the, the modern data scientist that works with, within decision support, uh, it's, it's the responsibility of that person to, to make sure that the, 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 in, the insights they produce make sense, that the dashboards are integrated and used in various business processes and to base target setting, goal follow-up, you know, incident Absolutely. reporting, whatever it might be. Because uh, it's not just about, you're right, it's not just about producing a, a ton of things, but, but it, it's, it made it in, increase the scope of the role even further, that we're now also responsible for doing the right thing and not just a lot of things. 
I feel like that's um, a really good um, comment to sort of finish on there. Does anyone else have anything else to add just before we uh, we finish off there then? Lovely, I'll go ahead and uh, stop the recording there. Thank you very much everyone uh, for listening and thanks everyone for joining us as well.